Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. This is so good. How many of you have been enjoying our series, Altars? Yeah? It's been good? Yeah. Hey, can I pray for you right now? Let's begin. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you that every time we open the word of God, you are available to speak to us. So for the person today who's been calling to you and saying, God, would you please just speak to me? Would you speak to me? I ask right now that you'd open our ears to hear, you'd, op- you'd soften our spirits to understand more clearly, to wipe away any distractions, that we'd be able to hone in on what your word is saying to us, that it would impact change in our lives. Because, Lord, we want to be more like you. Thank you that we can change, and thank you that you never change. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Awesome. Uh, hey, we've been, we've been digging in over the last three weeks, this last four weeks now, um, this series called Altars. If you haven't been with us, we've been talking about how what an altar is, is it's this place of sacrifice, of remembrance, of intimacy, and of revelation. God reveals his heart, and all the way through scripture, we see people setting up an altar. An altar is a place where worship takes place. An altar is a place that can be kind of a, a, a monument put up to say, let's never forget what God did, right? So altars are, are, uh, are big throughout the Bible, and we don't really talk about them that much today. We don't, you don't really walk down the street and see a pile of stones coming up, and my son's saying, Father, what is that large pile of uncut stones? Well, son, years ago, da, da, like we don't really do that much. But now it's, it's this kind of the spiritual uh, reality in our lives that if we would set up altars, these moments of pause, these moments to worship, these moments to give God some attention and remember what he's done, that's, that's where this beautiful intimacy takes place. And it's really foundational to our entire Christian walk. I want to read this passage to you. If you have your Bible... Hold it up. Hold up the Bible. Do you have it? Yeah? Got your phone? Got your analog Bible? Your digital Bible? Open it up to Romans 12. This is where we started the series, and we're going to just key back in on that. And we have a couple other scriptures. So keep your Bible out and be ready to flip around just a little bit. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. You may have this one committed to memory. I remember memorizing this passage years ago. It goes like this, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is the key part that we're going to talk about today. It says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God, thank you so much for your word. Have you ever asked the question, maybe you've been in a moment of transition in your life where you've maybe thought, maybe you've asked somebody actually in confidence this question, what am I doing with my life? Have you ever asked that? What am I doing with my life? Man, I remember, I mean, I've been through a lot of different 
periods of transition. My wife and I, we've, we've moved multiple times. We've lived overseas. We were doing, we've been doing ministry for 15 years and part of a couple different churches. And every move, every shift, every transition, every new kid that's added to our family, we have a lot of kids at home, uh, you, you have moments of saying, kind of, okay, are we, are we good? Are we good? Like, kind of like a check, like a bit of a gut check, pull out the map, Remember maps? Remember actual paper maps? We used to have these things called paper maps. Brandy was humiliated of me because I didn't have a smartphone for the longest time. And I would actually be like an old man pulling out my map. And be like, okay, if we take Highway 99, okay. We'll just... Anyway. But um, it's, it's important to kind of take out the map and say, okay, what am I doing with my life? In these moments of transition. Guys, it's, my, it's actually my birthday today. So... Um, not, not to make it about me, that's not my point, but in these moments, maybe you're getting a year older, maybe you've been, it's kind of like, oh, the anniversary of your job comes around, it's, maybe it's the same thing, maybe you're in a similar place as you were before, and you're like, ah, oh, okay, what am I doing, what am I doing with my life? Am I moving forward? And this passage, okay, so I remember this Romans 12, 1 and 2, as a as an angsty teenager seeking the will of God for my life. I remember teen camp. Ooh, teen camp, it would have probably been 1999. Teen camp 99, before Y2K, when the world was going to end, um, if we only knew. And I remember teen camp, and we would, we'd have these moments of altar time, okay? It was specifically called altar time. If you grew up in a charismatic church, you know what I'm talking about. There would be a fire tunnel you'd walk through. People would be shouting out, and you'd hopefully hear something prophetic as you walked by that's going to just guide your life for the next year until teen camp comes around next year. But we would, we would have these moments at the altar. It would be worship, and we would sing songs, and then the preacher would come up, and then after that, there'd be an extended time, and we kind of just wait as long as until either snack was ready after evening chapel, or the, the counselors were like, I think we're done here. Okay, we're done. Um, but I remember so many experiences at the altar, crying out to God on my knees, wanting to know, God, what is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? I just want to please you. I really just want to know. If you could tell me, if you could just speak to me. Lord, I would be willing. I'm like, in the prophet Isaiah, he says, oh, here I am, I'm willing, send me. And I'm like, Lord, send me. Just tell me specifically what you want. And then I'm in. And, and I would see people around me getting specific words from God. Or other people having these kind of revelations. And they would leave camp and be like, I'm going to be a pastor. God told me, next year, going to Bible college. Or other people saying, like, whatever it might be, these, these seeming these aha moments that you're like, wow, God, you spoke specifically to them. What about me? What am I doing with my life? What do you want to do in my life, Lord? And we'd rehearse this, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Then you'll be able to test and approve what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God, I want that. And I think it is one of the greatest misconceptions, in my experience, of the Christian will seeker, we'll call them the Christian will seeker, seeking the will of God, is that we take passages like Romans 12, 1 and 2, and we ascribe 
We assume God is going to tell us all the specific details of our calling rather than his will. Okay? So what I mean by that is God has a specific gen- or God has a specific calling for each of us, okay? But there is a general will of God for our lives. And when we come, we talk about the altar, we talk about sacrifice, it is this repetition coming to God and seeking his general will. How do we, Lord, how can I better find your general will in my life, okay? So when, if, you, if you look right here, go to, turn to Isaiah 43, verse 7. Isaiah 43, Verse 7. I'm just going to turn here. Isaiah 43, 7. Are you there? It says, everyone who is called by my name, this is God speaking, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Did you catch that? Whom I created for my glory. Ephesians 1, verse 11 and 12. Ephesians 1, I love Ephesians, it's such a great book. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus, and he says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. That we might be for the praise of his glory. This will of God that Romans 12 is is speaking of is really talking about God's will for you, his purpose for you and I is that we would bring him glory. Period. And that's really, that seems maybe really general because it is, but it's, we're looking maybe for a specific like, yeah, Lord, okay, I I know I'm for your glory, but, but, how can I glorify you with, uh, I'll just let you fill in the blank, Lord, with my future wife's name? Like, now what? Now, how can I do that? So if you can just show me that, then I'll generally glorify you. Or, if, Yeah, Lord, but if you can just help me by telling me exactly what program to take in university. And, and you know what? Here's the thing. God is so gracious, and there are moments where he speaks really clearly and he gives you this revelation, this moment, maybe somebody who you trust, a mentor, a pastor who wants to come alongside and say, hey, I see this in you. Uh, have you ever considered this? God's been, I've been praying for you and God put this on, on your heart. So always seek godly counsel and us as a church, as, as your pastors, we would love to help you discover what your specific calling is. And that's the beauty of church. You come together, you don't have to be alone. You can kind of come in and work out your faith, work out what it is that God wants specifically for your life. But as a, as, a general, as a general will of God, we're seeking just to glorify him, to glorify him. And, and sometimes I think when we're in the angst of wanting answers, we find, our, we find that that doesn't feel enough. Do you hear me? Yeah? Like, yeah, Lord, I know that, I know I'm supposed to do, I know I'm just supposed to please you, but, but what about what I want? And what about, it's not moving fast enough. Or I, I want some more details. Or I, I, thought, I thought I'd feel different. Man, that's a big one. Being led by our feelings. Being, hoping that we'll get, the, we'll get this jolt of 
Jesus happiness, and that's and that we're just going to ride that wave. God definitely brings joy, but there is a great joy and fulfillment in simply pleasing God. Wayne Grudem, he's a, a theologian, has this beautiful quote. It's going to be up on the screen, but I'd like to read it to you as well. It says, fullness of joy is found in knowing God and delighting in his character. The normal, this is so, this is so convicting to me, the normal hard attitude of a Christian is rejoicing in the Lord and in the lessons of life he gives us. That's normal. It should, be, it should be a normal response for us to have a delight and a joy in learning from God, understanding him in this daily sacrifice, bringing what we have to God every day. There's a joy that comes in it. There's this, this sweet dance in this, of faith and fellowship when we, when we say, God, I don't know what tomorrow brings. And I, I appreciate the songs the, the worship team led today talking about we don't know what the future brings, but we do know who is responsible for it all. And we, so we just have to lean into, into Jesus, right? Yeah, there's this goodness that, that comes when we become aware of his presence. What are we doing with our lives? What am I doing with my life? What, is, what are the, the ways that I'm sacrificing to God right now? In athletics, there's a, a type of training called General Physical Preparedness, GPP, okay? Say GPP. General Physical Preparedness, it's this, um, it's kind of like cross-training. It's just, just upping your level of fitness in all areas so that way you can be effective in the future. You can keep off an injury. You can like generally train. If you're working your core, if you're doing those things, you're going to be more effective when it comes to specific Specific tasks. Good training would require general physical preparedness as well as some specifics. I think that's kind of a nice model for our spiritual growth. If we can build our general spiritual preparedness, but a general physical preparedness, if we think seeking God's will requires me to just be daily sacrificing, what do I need to put on the altar today that's going to increase my general physical preparedness? Right? There, there's, man, I think sometimes... And this is just a little side. I think sometimes we, we put our own idols of our future on an altar. And we think, oh God, I am not there yet, but I, I'm going to give you this illustrious career and this picture-perfect family and this full bank account. I give it all to you. I don't have it yet, but when you give it to me, Lord, I will sacrifice it all to you. And we've, we've idolized, sometimes we idolized this image of what we think God's perfect will is for us. And sometimes we're just off. Yeah, we got it. And we have to be daily bringing these, our preconceived ideas of what his will is, back on the table. And sometimes we got to say, no, that's not even from God. I got to take it off. King Josiah, if you read about King Josiah in the book of Chronicles, he becomes king at the age of eight, the ripe old age of eight. And then when he becomes 16, he starts, he starts uh, actually ruling. And a couple of years later, they find the book of the law. And he, it, it's, it's an amazing story of his reforms. He's right near the end of the line of all the kings of Judah. And he's been, he's been, uh, he's following a lot of really bad guys, poor leaders, people who did what was right in their own eyes. And King Josiah 
says, we have to change it. He reforms the, the nation. He wipes out these idols and he, he, he kind of re, he, um, brings rebirth to the whole nation. He's sacrificing like priests like of false gods, their bones on these altars. And he's like just cleaning house. It's like pretty radical. He's vandalizing what was taken and was used in, in, uh, for evil and he's remaking it into something good. Sometimes I think we need to take King Josiah's cue and put some things on the altar that, we, that have no business being there. His general will his, is really in line with our general physical preparedness. There's a, there's a key to just being consistent. So when we look and we see where Romans says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. His good, good will, the, the Greek word for good is agathos. And it really does mean generally good. <laughs> just generally good. So you can take heart in knowing that God's will for you is going to be really good. It is because he is good. He's not going to give you something bad, okay? He's, so don't be scared. I think sometimes we're scared of what his will is. Oh, don't turn to God because you never know. He might send you on a scary missions trip if you commit to, commit to following God. He might ask you to give some of your stuff away. And But you know what? Coming back to, right, the, the, position of a, of a, the normal position of a Christian follower is joy, delighting in God and in all these lessons. So he's generally, he is just generally good. His will for you is good. C.S. Lewis has a great quote. It says, there is but one good, that is God. Everything is good when it turns to him and bad when it turns from him. So you have something in your life right now that can be used to please God. And that will where he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what his will is. Oh, you've just been listening to God's voice. You've got used to sacrificing to him. So you're going to be able to discern when you come along an area. It's like, oh, this is a good thing to spend my money on. This is a good use of my resources. This is a great way to open up my, my home. This is a good way for me to teach my kids how to be good friends in their schools. This is, this is good because I know what listening to God's voice is and I've been coming to sacrifice to him every day. His, his will is good. It's pleasing. That means it's, it's kind of measuring up, satisfying. Do you like those, those ASMRs that are just like so satisfying? Those, those, maybe you're watching the videos of someone cooking. It's good. Every slice of that root vegetable just looks so satisfying. They really sharpen their knife. No, but it's, it's kind of measuring up. It's exactly what you would have expected, kind of what you wanted. And God works in our hearts for the things that he wants you to do, that it will be really pleasing. And it's perfect. His will is perfect. It doesn't mean it's not perfect in our worldly, earthly standards where there's like, it all feels good all the time, but it's complete. That word perfect means complete. There's an interesting picture. It's kind of like an old, you know, an old pirate's telescope. I, I like the old like pirate movies. It's like, and it's like, at, each different level, there's a different strength. And it's like, oh, I'm not seeing what I need, but ah, oh, there it is. Now I can see. It's the, the original language really is summed up in that type of a picture. It's giving the right power for the right moment for exactly what you need. And it's so beautiful. It's good. It's pleasing. And it's perfect. Coincidentally, that also is GPP. 
See what I did there? Hey. So what are we doing with our lives to increase our GPP? Because we want to see God's will as good, pleasing, and perfect. Love you guys. I don't have the GPP, but uh, yeah. 38 never looked so good. Dang. No, I'm just kidding. Um, The will of God. Have you ever seen a movie uh, like Kingdom of Heaven or anything like that? And they're talking about like a big battle and then someone goes like, we should probably kill that whole army or that whole people group. And there's always that one guy who's like, God wills it. And then they're like, everyone gets like, God wills it. God wills it. And then, they're, then they go and kill them. Or they get killed by them. Um, I think it's easy to think that God's will is just kind of weird. Um, but what I want you to think, and you should write this down. When you hear God's will, it should be uh, God blessing humanity through Christ. That should be the first thing you think when you hear God's will. The second thing, and write this down again, is what God expects me to do. The actions that he wants of me. So God's will for my life is the blessing of Christ for humanity, and it's for what he expects me to do. So we can go into circumstances and situations, and we can look at it through that lens. Sometimes we have this like 10,000 foot view and we're looking down and we're like oh man what's God's will or his purpose for my life when we're not even tr- we're not even seeing it through that lens in the circumstances the situations that we're immediately in so I want to um, tell you guys a little bit about what I'm doing right now I am currently in school and school is not fun um yeah, a couple people with me, yeah. Um, one of the things that I'm learning in school is a little bit about, like, heat and heat exchange and all that kind of stuff. And there's actual formulas that uh, you can plug in to see how much heat energy is needed in order to, like, make the temperature of an object or a space go up by a certain amount of degrees Celsius. And so Schwab's with me, the plumber. He knows. He knows. So, uh, so, like, when we come up to these different problems, there's, in the formula, there's constants, and then there's variables. The constants are the things that never change. So when we come up to a circumstance, for the nerds in this place, we can look at it like a problem, and we can, okay, constant number one, God's will is to bless this world through Christ. Constant number two is uh, what God expects from me in this situation, how he wants me to respond. And I think when we look at that in the context of altars, we can look at it and every time that we've succeeded, every time that we've, we've answered the call and we've done, made a choice, okay, situation comes up, my boss is being harsh to me or being kind of a prick, and uh, I get to choose to honor him. I get to choose to be respectful. I get to choose to, to have respect for myself at the same time, but I'm not going to uh, 
belittle. I'm not going to, like, fight back, essentially. Man, I got to win in that. Now I can look back, and there's a little altar there of success. But what happens when we fail those? Man, I think we get another opportunity to see the goodness of God in our lives. Uh, Flip with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. It says this, Three times I pleaded with the Lord, take it away uh, from me. But he said to me, and he's talking about a a thorn or something that's hindering him. Um, He said, Jesus says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Not only the times that we succeed, not only the times that we choose to answer the call, we get to see an altar, but actually the times that we fail, the times that we don't succeed, we get to an opportunity to come back to Jesus, to rely on his grace, and to see his goodness. Remember, it's, it's, it's God, God's will is Christ's blessing to humanity. Man, that's me. I need what he gave. I need the sacrifice that he gave because I'm so far from perfect. I know I'm going to make mistakes. I know I'm going to make mistakes, but I know I'm also going to grow in my relationship with him. And I know I'm going to grow in knowing his will for my life. How do we know his will for our life, though? We get to know him. We get to know him through his word. We get to know him through prayer. We get to know him through times like this. And we get an opportunity to actually grow in our relationship. Um, In Acts, basically throughout the book of Acts, there's a guy named Barnabas. And Barnabas was basically like the pastor to the pastors, if that makes any sense. So I'm sure most of you in here have heard about Saul who then becomes Paul. Okay, so Saul, he was like killing Christians. Like he was not a good dude. And then he ends up getting like slapped by Jesus, goes blind, and then like Jesus, Jesus is like, hey, you're going to go and like live for me. And he's like, ah, who is that? Ah? And anyways, he ends up like making him see again. And that's like he's now living for Jesus. And, but all the Christians don't trust him. I wouldn't trust him either. Maybe he's just crafty. Who knows? Maybe he's just learned some new tricks. He's got some little schemes. So, but Barnabas, so he came and he wanted to preach the gospel. He wanted to preach about Jesus to people. But the, the apostles were like, hey, we don't want this guy. Barnabas, however, he was like, hey, I've seen the fruit in his life. I've actually seen the will of God in his life. I've seen Christ's blessing to humanity in uh, Saul. And he's, he's different now. There's a change. So he speaks on behalf of him. And then they're like, okay, we'll give him, we'll give him a go. And again and again and again, he, as you see him discipling Saul who becomes Paul, you see the goodness of, of God through Like, you see him answering that call. How can he bring the goodness of God to humanity? And then what's his action step? So you see it again and again. They go to a place called Antioch, and he 
Barnabas goes and he sees that um, that they're like they preach and all that kind of stuff, and he's like, "Hey, I'm going to actually go and grab Paul and bring him in, and we're going to do this together." So he he gets up to play a big part in Paul's life and sees that, and it was actually after they preached there that they were called Christians for the first time. Before that, they weren't called Christians. That's kind of weird. Um, it seems, anyways. Um, but again and again and again, they just answered the call, answered the call, answered the call. And there's actual, like, altars, if you will, in the Bible where you can see what they did and you can see the changes that, that were made. Uh, it concludes kind of full circle with uh, Paul wanting to, like, kind of cut ties with uh, one of the disciples uh, because he abandoned them before. So Paul had like zero grace for the guy. And uh, Barnabas, on the other hand, was like, hey, you know what? I'll take him under my wing. I'll spend some time with him. Uh, you go with some other guys and you keep on doing what you're doing. Um, but I'm going to take, uh, his name was um, John Mark. He's like, I'm going to take him under my wing and uh, be a blessing to him and have grace for him because Man, the guy needed grace. He made a mistake. But then God's going to give him grace. He's, there's, it, it, there's no, he's not hopeless. So when we think about the will of God in our lives, it's two things. It's how is God uh, blessing uh, the world through Christ? And what am I going to do in these cir- circumstances? So those are the two things. Now... Without further ado, if you can get off of your feet and welcome up Pastor Jennifer Reimer, she is going to bring the word. You can do better than that. Oh, thank you guys. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pastor Dustin, Pastor Joel. I love you guys. You both did amazing uh, all right, are you guys ready? <laughs> Three speakers. Can you got one more in you? You guys can do this. Imagine one of you's like, no, I don't want another speaker. Bye. <laughs> um, that's okay. I understand. Uh, we love you guys. We're so excited. Actually, when I found out that we were speaking today, I was like, yay, it's Joel's birthday. And I'm going to say happy birthday. So happy birthday, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've actually, uh, I've known Joel since he was 14. So we've known each other a long time, and he's my one and only little brother. So I love you. Um, so I'm excited today. We are talking about revelation. And as I was uh, thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, I love that we as people, uh, I think we ask a lot of questions, and we are curious and I think that's great. I think that's a really good quality that we ask questions. We're trying to figure things out um, in my everyday life. I get asked a lot of questions from my kids like, uh, Mom, when's dinner? And uh, Mom, where's my phone? And uh, what's for dinner? <laughs> and then there's Mom, where's my Beyblade? You know, like so, so many questions. Uh, can you fix this, Mom? Mom, can you help me with this? So lots of questions. Uh, Justin and I do a relationship podcast together, and people send in really great questions about relationships, like communication, how to prepare for a relationship, so many good questions. Like, questions are great, and there's always questions all the time. Uh, I just read an article recently that Google put out, 
about the top 100 questions that, have, that Google has received in 2021. The top 100 questions. So it was very interesting. I will not read all 100 to you, but uh, the, number, the number one question in 2021, what to watch? Hmm, what to watch? So that is clearly very important to all of us. What we are watching, we need to figure it out. Uh, let me see. Some other fun questions were, um, are dragons real? Uh, are unicorns real? <laughs> um, this one really got me. Is Europe a country? <laughs> so clearly, geography is not going very well in school these days. And uh, for all of you dog lovers, I'm happy to report that there were so many questions about, can you feed a dog watermelon? Can you feed a dog apples? Can you feed a dog bananas? Can you feed a dog oranges? Can you feed a dog grapes? And it just kept going and going. Can you feed a dog this, 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 like fruits and veggies? Anyway, so good job, dog lovers. Good job. <laughs> good job. Um, so we have a lot of questions. And I think as we come into church on a Sunday, we have a lot of questions that are going on in our heart and our mind. Uh, Pastor Joel, you know, he talked about, like, what am I doing with my life? And we have these questions that we come, and we're asking God some pretty big questions. You know, uh, how am I going to get through this? What do I do next? Uh, should I ask that person out? Should I marry that person? Uh, what school should I go to? What career should I pursue? We have a lot of questions. And really... If you take all of those questions, what we're really asking, if you just think of like a theme, we're asking God, what is your will for my life? What is your will for my life? And um, I have some good news. God does know the answer to your questions. He does know the answer. And some even like more good news is that he wants to help bring that answer to you. He wants to bring clarity. He wants to bring a revelation to you of what his will is. That's pretty exciting. And so we've been talking about how the altar, you know, it's a place to remember the faithfulness of God, a place to bring a sacrifice of praise. It's a place where we connect with God and have relationship with God. And it's actually in that relationship with God that we receive the revelation of what he wants for our life. It's in relationship with God that we receive a revelation. And the best way that God communicates to us is through his word. You know, the Bible is God's word. It is alive and it is that God breathes him speaking to us. And even though it's been around for so, so long, it is relevant to each one of us in what we are going through right now. And actually, God's will is written right in the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. For this is God's will for you. There it is, straight up, God's will for all of us. It's right there. And now I know some of you or all of you are like, oh, I was kind of hoping that you were actually going to tell me, like, what school am I supposed to be going to? Like, I was waiting for those details. But here's the secret. If we follow this, because God's saying, hey, this is my will for every single one of us. Like, for you, for me, this is God's will. If we actually start walking in these things, all those other things are going to become clear as well. It's like we have to get on the path of God's will, and it starts with these three things, okay? So we're going to quickly look at them. You guys have been so gracious and so patient, so let's just look at these three things. So rejoice always. 
what does that look like? Rejoice always. And in this, like, the theme of joy is huge throughout the scripture. I think Christians and Christianity get, get a really bad reputation that it's like, we're very grumpy and serious and life is hard and we never have fun. And that's like this reputation we have. But that is not God's intention. God is a God of joy. Like the scripture is filled with being filled with joy, living a life of abundant joy. He wants joy for you. That is God's will for all of us. God wants joy. So we need to find that path of joy and we need to get on it and we need to stay on the path of joy. So <laughs> now driving in our family, Justin is a very passionate, he loves to drive. Like he is the driver. And, and I'm good with that because I'm fine. I don't mind. Like him being the passenger, he cannot stand it. Like if we're on a holiday and we're in an Uber, he would love it if the Uber driver was like, hey, man, you drive. Like he would <laughs> love that because he, he just does not like being a passenger at all. So he drives. But obviously there are times like today when I had to drive. And, and I found like <laughs> I learned to drive in a very small little town. And then we've li we lived in the valley for a while. Then we <laughs> lived in Los Angeles where the freeway is just like forever, both sides and forever in front of you. It just keeps on going, right? And then... And then we moved to Vancouver, and it's like the smallest streets ever. Like, they're so small here. And as it's funny. As you have more kids, your vehicle just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And right now, we just have a really, really massive big van. It's humongous. Dustin this morning said it reminded him of Nacho Libre. Like, <laughs> I like, yeah, it's a really big vehicle. Um, but I have found for me when I am driving, I just want to know the one way that I like to go, like my favorite way, and I will just stick to that one way. I just want to know my one favorite way that I like to get from here to there, places I have to go, my one favorite way, and I will stay on that little route because that's the one I like the best. And I think when it comes to joy, just find the path of joy and stick with it because if you find yourself off of joy and you're like, man, I'm not feeling joy, I'm not talking about happiness. I'm not talking about momentary pleasure. I'm talking about joy, like that deep joy that like stays with you through everything. You find joy and you stay on that. And if you find yourself off that path, you need to get back to return to joy, to rejoice always, right? That is God's will for all of us, to rejoice always. Okay, secondly, the second will of God is to pray continually. And again, I just think that, I think that prayer has also gotten a bad reputation because it's like, it's just communication with our Heavenly Father who loves us. And communication is a good thing. And I know that we all like to talk. We all like to talk with people that we love. And God loves us. He really does. I mean, how, how sad would it be if every morning I woke up and I'm like, okay, you know, okay, get myself ready. Hopefully I can make it 15 minutes of talking to Justin. I just got to do this. Okay. You know, and I make it, I make it 15 minutes and I'm like, Yes, I did it. Okay, I'm not going to have to talk to him again until tomorrow morning. Woo! Right? Like, that would be very sad. That's not the case at all. He is my favorite person in all the world, and I just I want to talk to him all day about everything. And that is God's desire, is that we are talking with him all day about everything. And it's, it's not just a solemn, awkward conversation. It's just like, honestly, my prayers are like, 
Oh God, please help. Oh God, thank you. Oh, please help. Thank you so much. I hope, I hope, I hope. Please watch over them. Oh God, thank you so much. Like it's just like all day, just a continual, like we need him and we can just be in conversation with him all day long. So pray continually. My son Zion is the best example of this. He just was born a natural, gifted prayer. <laughs> and he's three. And when he was about, since about like two and a half, when he could really speak and understand what we were doing when we prayed, he has to be the one to pray. Like he has to be the one. And so um, sometimes I would say, oh, you know, Titus, could you pray for dinner tonight? And then Ty would pray. And then everyone, you know, picks up their spoon or their fork, goes to dig in. And then Zion's like, no, no, I pray. I pray. And he's very passionate that he prays. And so, and his prayers are not short. They are very long. So everybody's like reluctantly puts their fork down. And he's like, oh, God, I hope this food is good. And I, I think to myself, yeah, I hope it is too. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> I hope it's good. Um, he's like, I hope this food is good. And I hope I get to have a cookie later. And I hope we get to play Beyblades. And I hope I can play Soccer Mario with Kezia. And I hope that Oakley will play Chase with me. And I hope we have a good sleep. And I, like, honestly, he will go on. And it's so cute, though. Like, it's just so adorable. But he's hoping for everything that he loves. He's just like, I hope, I hope, I hope we have a great sleep. And we're at dinner. But he's like, I hope we have a great sleep and I and he just keeps going and it's adorable and I love it because he understands the concept of God who cares like he's just like you know I love Beyblades so I'll pray about them you know and that's what God's heart is for us that we are just in constant communication with him that's God's will for us so we rejoice always we return to joy we stay on the path of joy that we pray continually just talk about everything everything on your heart your hopes your everything that you're going through and then lastly, to give thanks in all circumstances. And again, I just think all three of these have been misunderstood because I think it seems like we're trying to say like, yeah, you know, even when times are hard, just, just fake it. Be like, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. No, this is not saying that give thanks for all circumstances. This is saying give thanks in all circumstances. So circumstances can be tough and challenging. And like God's word is very clear that he has a good plan for all of us, but a good plan can also have some hard times in it, you know, some really hard, painful times. But it's his good plan, but it, it can be hard. It talks about how he's working everything together for our good. You know, he's putting it all together because he loves us. But it can be challenging, and circumstances can be hard, and we're not trying to say like, oh, just fake it. Like, yeah, it's so good. It's like, no. In the midst of it, I know that my Father loves me. Because when we're in relationship with God, it means that we have taken that step of faith and saying, God, I recognize that you love me. I recognize that you have saved me. You died on a cross for me, and I am so thankful that you love me, and you sent your son to die for me. Thank you. So we recognize that. And so it's saying that in the midst of the painful circumstances, what we can do is recall that and be like, you know what? This is really tough, but in the midst of this hard circumstance, I have a God who loves me, who saved me, who has a good plan for my life. So in the midst of this circumstance, I'm going to give thanks to my God because he's with me and he's walking through it with me. So we can give thanks in all circumstances. And that is God's will for all of us because he is good and he is loving. And I know that this might seem like, oh, <laughs> those are tough things to do. But God will help us. Whatever he calls us to do, he also then equips us and helps us to do. So right now we're just going to take a moment. We're just going to pray that God would help us 
to do his will, because as we get on that path of doing his will, all those other questions will also become clear as well. He will bring answers. But this is kind of the starting place. So, Father, right now, I just thank you so much for your love. And I thank you that you have revealed your will to us in your word. And, God, I just pray right now that you would help us to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances because you love us. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.